I'm telling you, that, that uh, last song might as well be our series title, The Big Picture, because it's in the grace of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ uh, shed for us that has cleansed our sin. Praise God. I can report to you today that I have been cleansed by his blood, and I am free, and I am not living under that old shame and guilt anymore, and you don't have to either. Amen? We're in the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, Ephesians chapter 6 in our series called The Big Picture. Another way to say this would be we're talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, the idea that there is evil in the world and there's evil who is always at war with the church. The good thing is the church won because our Savior won. Amen? And Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 begins to tell us how we are to live this Christian life. How many of you today know that you're saved? You can, you can say that today with amen, all right? You know that you're saved. We know that we've been born again. We've been saved by God's uh, grace. And today I want to encourage you to live saved. Now, see, that's different, isn't it? A lot of people can go back to a moment where they got saved, but they're not certainly living in salvation. The word salvation means deliverance. If you still feel like you're in bondage, you're not living saved. And the reason you might not be living saved is because you haven't put on all of your armor yet. So today I want to read to you, we're going to recap some of the scriptures that we've already read, and we're going to focus in on the last part, which is in verse 17. So we're going to begin reading in verse number 11 today, Ephesians 6, verse 11. This is coming out of the New American Standard, and this is what the apostle says. He says, put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Amen? Against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That sounds like a battle to me, doesn't it, you? Y'all realize that you're at a battle? Sometimes we think our battle is the person we got in the car with to come here today. Some of you guys battled all the way here. You know, sometimes we, we don't realize what our battle. We think our battle is even within ourselves. We have silly battles, right? You know, I battle with uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Amen? Preach the word, right? I mean, my battle is, you know, I drive to Marion. We go to that little ballpark over there, and there's a Krispy Kreme right there. Amen? And, you know, what I do is I pray. I say, Lord, if it's your will, let that hot now sign be on it, and I'll stop, right? And after going around it seven times, it came on, right? Right? That's not what I'm talking about. The battle I'm talking about is not the stuff that goes on on the inside. It's the stuff that comes at us from the outside, okay? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not the problem. Good. Yeah. The problem is coming from somewhere else. Our struggle is not the people that we work with. Somebody say amen. amen. The problem is not your spouse. Say amen. amen. The problem is not your kids. Amen. I'll have to pray about that one. <laughs> amen. And all right, Kelly, we got to pray about that. It's just not that. It's struggles against principalities, powers of the air. Amen. Go to verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Now down in verse 17, my text for the day. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Next week, Pastor Blake is going to talk to us about the sword of the Spirit. I can't wait for you all to hear that. 
Because the sword of the Spirit is an offensive weapon. And it's something that you use on the devil. And if you want to fight the devil, you can't fight the devil with your fists because the devil can't receive those. But the devil can receive the Word of God. And when the Word of God gets put on the devil, the devil starts running because he's a wimp. Amen. He's a wimp compared to our Savior. Stop walking around acting like you're under the circumstances. You're not under the circumstances. You're over the circumstances tonight because if you're in Christ, he is raised above, seated above all principalities and powers today. Somebody say amen. So the Bible says, take the helmet of salvation. Now, have, do you know what a helmet is? Anybody like baseball? We're not going to talk too much about what teams. Oh. Anyway, I said we weren't going to talk about that. You know the guy, when he goes in to step into the batter's box, he puts something on his head. Do you know why? Because the guy's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. And I'm not getting in that batter's box without it. How about your quarterbacks in football? What do they do when they go out on the field? They put the what? But when they go back to the sidelines, what do they do? They take it off. You see, when the Bible says put on the helmet of salvation, it sounds like you're getting ready to do something. The batter does not go home with the batting helmet on. The quarterback doesn't sleep in his helmet. When Paul uses the terminology of putting the helmet of salvation on, it looks to me like he's talking about a fight. You see, when you put your helmet on, you're expecting a fight. Too many Christians aren't doing that. We've got our helmets off. They're in the car. And we're just kind of going around through life kind of easy, you know, like I just want life to be good. I want God to be good, good to me. I want God to bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord. And God's like, I need you to do something, do something, do something, do something. The old timers sang, Onward Christian Soldiers. Y'all remember that? Do you know some denominations took that out of their hymn book because that's too frightening? It's too uh, on a warfare footing. I'm like, have you read the Bible? <laughs> Maybe you might want to, if you read the Bible, you might get a better understanding of a the theology. Paul said, we are in a struggle against principalities, powers in the air. Look at the terminology he uses put on the armor, struggle, take up the armor, resist. Take the helmet. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think that uh, we are put here to just get a blessing and enjoy life, you've missed the whole purpose of this thing. Instead of onward Christian soldiers, we become observant Christian saints. Used to be the symbol of the church was a cross. Now, any day, any day now, it's a chair. What do we do? I mean, what's the symbol of Christianity? We find a chair. We find a good place to come in. We put our napkin on and want the pastor to feed us. And then we, uh, you know, we kind of judge the sermon on the way out. Well, that was a seven. That was a six. Now, maybe you might want to just hear from God and get the marching orders of what our, our master wants us to do. The general is calling us to fight today. And I want to tell you, if you want to know what it means to live the Christian life and to live a successful Christian life, you got to get involved. Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. So my message today is called, put your helmet on. Put it on. I'm going to talk about helmets in two different ways. First, I'm going to give you the significance. And then I want to describe different helmets that people wear. You will most likely see yourself somewhere in this message today. What is the significance? When Paul says put the helmet on, I got to thinking about that, and I've, I've researched this a lot, and I've had a lot of people talk to me about this. I've listened to a lot of sermons, Tony Evans, Chip Ingram, a lot of smart people, 
And what I've come to the conclusion is, is that the helmet is a covering for the head. And it has to do with the thought process of your life. Do you know the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is? Did you know that? Now, that doesn't mean that if I think that I can walk off this stage and float, that I can. It doesn't mean that. It simply means that the way that my brain works is the way that I'm going to end up living my life. So if you believe that you're under the circumstances and you think that every day, you're going to be under the circumstances. If you believe that you are delivered, like the Bible says, you're going to live a delivered life. Okay? If you believe that you're victorious, you're going to live a victorious life. Amen? And that means no matter what's happening in your life, you're going to win this thing. Because why? Because Jesus got up from the dead. And if Jesus can beat death, you can beat whatever's in front of you today. Amen? Somebody say amen to that. So the helmet's going to represent things that are going on inside of our head, things that are very near and dear to us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, to be honest with you, some of us suffer with a disease called stinking thinking. Our thinking just stinks to high heaven. And everything in our life is bad. You know there are some people that will find something negative in everything? You know, I mean, you, you hate to ask them how they're doing because they're going to tell you. And 20 minutes later, you're going to be looking for a window to jump out of because you're trying to get away from them. You know, some people just love being a victim. I don't understand that. Is there some kind of comfort? You know, woe is me. I love that story. I don't like that story. I don't like to live negative, particularly when God has been so positive in my life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that if you serve God that nothing bad will ever happen to you. But what I will tell you is that you will always overcome it if you trust him. Put your helmet on. What does the helmet represent? Your purpose. Your priorities. And your protection. We'll put it up on the screen. The helmet, the significance of the helmet represents this. Said that a while ago. You're expecting a fight. Thank you. Come on with me, guys. Doing a good job. Hey, let's give the media team some praise up there tonight. Amen? <laughs> Covering for your head. The, the uh, significance of the helmet is three things. This is in your notes. It's your purpose. It's your priorities. And it's your protection. It has to do with what God has placed you here to do. And everybody wears a helmet of some type. Everybody has a purpose. You see, many people don't understand what their purpose is or they have a bad purpose. If you have a skewed purpose of your life, you're going to live a skewed life. You're going to miss it. In fact, I will go ahead and say it like this. If you don't have God's purpose for your life, you're always going to wonder what life's all about. You're not going to have a clue. You're going to live your life and not ever know what this is all about. Because people wear wrong helmets. The thing that is in their head, the thinking that is in their head is skewed and it's wrong and it's backwards and it's upside down and some people are just never going to get it. I don't want to be that person today. I want to put the right helmet on today. Let me describe some wrong helmets. This is point number two. We're going on to point number two now. Everyone wears a helmet of some type. First one I want to mention is the helmet of hedonism. You ever heard of that word before? Hedonism? Um, it's an Old Testament or actually a, a Bible concept. And actually, if you study world history, you'll find a lot of civilizations were built upon this particular type of uh, lifestyle or purpose. And the idea of hedonism is pleasure. It's simply this. The purpose of life is pleasure. I need to feel good. 
people get up in the morning looking, looking into life about how I can feel good. If you feel bad, i got to take something to keep me from feeling bad so that I can feel good. I have to do things, take actions. Everything that I do is looking for a good time. Everything I'm looking for, I'm, as the uh, old timer said in the 80s, everybody's working for the weekend so we can have pleasure. We're going to have fun. We're going to party down. We're going to do things that are going to make us feel good. And we live for pleasure. The priorities of that person would be to eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we will die. The emphasis in this lifestyle is on feelings. Do you think that's happening today in the United States of America? Somebody say amen. Because everybody today is yelling about how they feel and don't make me feel a certain way and I need to feel a certain way and if you don't make me feel good, I'm going to be offended. Never heard such mess in my whole life. I want to tell you, that's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. A bunch of people walking around waiting to be offended about something. Listen, why don't you just grow up, man up, and be who you're supposed to be, amen? This idea that, oh, I'm walking around offended. What do you mean offended? Jesus would have said, you guys are offending me. What's this cross deal? That offends me. Come on. The Apostle Paul would have said, you guys throw me in jail. Every town I go to, I don't go and look for the hotel. I look for the jail. That's where I'm going. <laughs> Amen? Three hots and a cot. Probably not then. It probably didn't get anything hot and probably wasn't even a cot. So anyway, these people are like, eat, drink, and be merry. There's no value in discipline. Why would you say no to anything? If it feels good, what's the song say? Do it. It, doing it and feeling good is the highest good. What you get is a society of self-centered, self-indulged, self-seeking, narcissistic people. And ladies and gentlemen, the doctrine of this lifestyle is that pleasure is the truth. Does it work? Why doesn't it work? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11.25 that sin and its pleasures are passing. Amen. Remember when you were young? Anybody remember that? When you're like, I just want to have fun. Yeah. Just want to have fun. And then you found out the fun started to have you. And the next thing you knew, it wasn't fun anymore. It took more to have more fun. It took more to have more fun. It took more to have more fun. It passes away. And it produces something in its wake that is terrible. You see, inside of sin, let me teach you something Tony Evans taught me. Inside of sin, you look at sin as a seed. Inside, the wrath of God is injected. When you take hold of sin for the pleasure of it, you get momentary pleasure, but you get long-term wrath. It begins to destroy you. The Bible says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, suppressing the truth. So pleasure is the truth. So when the truth comes, do you think the hedonists is going to like it? They're not going to like it. They're going to suppress it. The second helmet that people wear is the helmet of moralism. Now, the people on the hedonist side are like, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's just have a great time. These people over here are, are a little bit different because what they're about, their purpose, is a righteousness devoid from God. In other words, they're going to determine what's right and wrong. Do you know right now there are things that companies are doing? There are seminars that companies are making their people go through, training, so to speak, to teach people how to be righteous, devoid from God. 
Did you know that's happening? It's happening in our schools in the United States of America. A righteousness devoid from God. Let me tell you something. When someone tries to tell you what is right or wrong, if it is apart from the word of God, then it should be avoided and shunned because it's not righteousness at all. And this has been going on a long, long time. In Paul's day, there was the moral man, the one that decided, you know what, this, certain things are right and certain things are wrong. And what you have here is a righteousness devoid from God. And the priorities in this type of helmet is persuasion. In other words, the people who have the most influence can decide what's right and wrong. Ever heard of cancel culture? You know why there's a cancel culture? Because there are people devoid from God that are deciding what's right and wrong in our country. There are people devoid from God that are deciding what you can read on social media right now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't realize this is communism coming to our country, then you need to wake up. Because all this is is old-fashioned moralism, and what you've got is people that are looking down at others who are different than them. All in the name of tolerance. It's really weird, isn't it? The priorities and the tools that they use is criticism, demonization, and even wokeness. What is the... uh, Truth of this uh, thing, the truth of this doctrine is that power is truth. Whoever has the most power gets to determine what the truth is. Does this work? You know why? Look at Romans 2.1. Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. Why? For you who judge practice the same things. Let me just, I'm not a prophet. Don't claim to be one. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express. But I'm going to tell you what you're going to see happen this year. Some of the loudest voices that have been criticizing people this year, you're going to see it turn on them. You're going to see it. You're already starting to see it happen. You're already starting to see it happen. You watch. By the end of this year, you're going to see most of the loudest voices in our country that are putting down others are going to be the ones that's going down. You know why? Because they do the same things. Thus says the Word of God. Y'all remember back, some guys, you may not remember this, but when I first started preaching, there were a couple of TV evangelists that were very popular, and one of them publicly fell. And I remember another prominent evangelist spent a whole lot of time demonizing the one that fell until he got discovered. Guys, a judgmental spirit is not what God's about. We're not here to just be critics. We are here not to be the moral person devoid from God, but we are to be the ones that God says in the book of Romans that a righteousness apart from the law exists for us who trust in Jesus. We are just people who are failed and flawed and people who are weak who have been giving righteousness by Jesus Christ, and therefore we are here to spread that righteousness to others. We're not people that look down. You see, I hug the person But I hit the problem, and I hate unrighteousness, and I hate what Satan does. But my job today is to give you hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to put the right helmet on. You see, there's the helmet of hedonism, the helmet of moralism. There's the helmet of religion. Now, a lot of people find themselves here. Religion. What does religion look like to you? Some people think it's what we're doing today. I came to church. I'm religious. You see, the... uh, Purpose of religion is righteousness that is earned from God. You see, so they they are a partial truth, partially. 
There is righteousness with God, but the righteousness that God has cannot be earned by us. You know why? Because we're unrighteous. The holiness of God cannot be earned by us because we're unholy. Sin has messed us up. But religious people, people who have that helmet on, they have the priorities of doing religious duty. You know, there are some people that feel like I've, I have totally uh, messed up God. I've totally uh, uh, messed up my life, and I'm not going to go to heaven because I didn't go to church. I have actually talked to people that thought, if I don't go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every prayer meeting that they have and do everything they, they tell me to do and tithe every time I'm supposed to do that, and I, I can't wear my hair a certain length, and I can't dress a certain way, and I can't listen to certain music, and if I do all that, God's going to accept me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the wrong helmet. Now, I'm not saying some of those things aren't good things to do. But see, ladies and gentlemen, the religious person does all these things to earn God's favor. But what Christians do is we live the way we're supposed to live because God has already forgiven us. So we live sin. We live saved and not sinful. Amen? You see, in this person, um, they believe that I can just keep certain amount of rules and God will be happy with me. Does it work? Of course it doesn't. There's no protection in this helmet. You know why? Because there's none righteous, not even one. There's a helmet of passivity, passivism. What is this person? This is the person that believes that you do you, and I'll do me. Live and let live. Avoid at all costs. Chill and let chill. And they think somehow I'm just going to avoid the conflict. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't do it. This person is, is driven by fear. This person believes that passivity is truth. I'm just not going to make a stand. Can I tell you something? If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to make a stand. If you're going to go with Jesus, you're going to have to turn away from any other God. That's called repentance. You have to turn away from your old life. That's why the Bible says I will confess Jesus as my Lord. Because I can't be Lord of my life and follow Jesus. Jesus said, you can't love two masters. Somebody say amen. Some people try to hang on to both ends. Some people just like, well, I'm just not going to get involved. I'm just going to stay out of this deal. Does the Bible talk about that? Does it work? Jesus gave an illustration in Matthew 25 about a man who received a talent, a gift, and did nothing with it. And came to Jesus and said, I have been passive. Here, take what is yours. Jesus called him a wicked, lazy servant. Can you imagine that? I mean, we might call somebody lazy, but we might not think that that's wicked. Jesus said both. Amen. Wicked, lazy servant. The pacifist. I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to stay in the middle just try to keep myself. You know why the person wants to do that? Because life is not about Jesus, it's about them. Can I tell you something today? If you decide that you're going to serve Jesus, you got to put your helmet on. And when you put your helmet on, you got to get ready to get out on the field. You got something to do. There is something for everybody in this room to do today. Amen. Jesus said concerning that slave, he said, throw him out. Wow. Throw him out into outer darkness. You think I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and enjoy it, and one day Jesus is going to say, well done? Why would he say, well done, if you hadn't done anything? 
See, what's wrong in the church in America is for the last several years, and particularly in this last year, we have become people who took our helmet of salvation off, stuck it to the side, and we're just trying to wait it out. God didn't call us to do that. The helmet of salvation, you see, that's what covers my head. That's what keeps my thinking straight. When Satan says you're nobody, I can go back to the salvation. I've been saved by Jesus Christ. When Satan says there's a better way to live, I can go back to the purpose of, of the salvation. You see, the way that you got saved is the way that you live saved. Okay? If you got saved one way and you're trying to live saved another way, then you're confused. The way we got saved is the way we live saved. How do we get saved? Let's put it on the board. Ephesians chapter uh, 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen? Amen. We've been saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Somebody say gift. God has just simply given the gift to anyone who by faith will receive it. And not as a, a result of work so that no one would boast. And, but then he goes on to say, for we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Do you know what workmanship is? It means a masterpiece. A thing that God has been working on. You might think, you know what, that's not me. Listen, God has a masterpiece in mind when it comes to you. But you know how you get there? We are his workmanship. What does it say? Created in Christ Jesus for what? Say it with me. Good works. What is a good work? Is sitting in a chair a good work? Amen, Brother Brian. Just preach. It got really quiet, didn't it? I mean, we're going to have the helmet on and go home and lay on the couch? I'm not telling you never to lay on the couch. I love it. I used to do it all the time. But what I'm saying is, is that there's a better reason. If you say, I got the helmet of salvation on, but I'm always looking for pleasure, you're confused. I got the helmet of salvation on, but I'm going to be involved in this Moral thing that's going on today, you're confused. I got the helmet on, I'm just going to be religious. You're confused. I got the helmet on, I'm going to be passive. You are confused. Can I tell you something? If you have any other helmet on, you are not going to experience the pleasure that it is to serve Jesus Christ. You see, when I said yes to Jesus Christ, you know what I did? I said no to being my own Lord. And you know, sometimes people say, well, God... If you tell me what to do, I'll pray about it. If God tells you what to do, you don't have to pray about it. And you know what might be wrong in your life? you got the wrong helmet on. Because if you've been saved, and by grace you've been saved, then you are going to be living like you're saved. So if God saved you and he's your Lord to save you, then he is also your Lord to get you working today. Too many people in the church are very passive. I see this a lot. I've been in the ministry over 30 years, and I want to tell you, a lot of people think their job is just to show up. But there's a whole world of people out there that's hurting today. There's a whole lot of people out there that are addicted today. There's a whole lot of families out there that are destroyed today. I want to tell you, God has radically shaped my thinking about this. I've done it for years. Been, I've worked in jails and prisons for years, and I've seen the devastation. And too many times in the church, we look at people like that, and we go, oh, just let them go. They, they're getting what they deserve. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't get what I deserved, and so I want to give them what God wants to give them today. The idea that we're going to be the church, we're going to have the helmet on, we're going to come in and look at our helmets, then we're going to judge our helmets. Oh, you got a nice helmet. Oh, what a great helmet you've got. You've got a nice one over there. Is that what we're here to do? We're here to do something. 
What is the purpose of this helmet? The helmet of salvation is God's grace. What is grace? It's a gift. I want you to know today that you don't have to earn God's favor. How do you know God loves you? The Bible says when we were enemies, Christ died for us. If God loved you when you were an enemy, then he still loves you now. You don't have to make God love you. You don't have to make God like you. God just likes to hang out with you. God loves you. And for anybody who wants to get off the mess of a life that they're living and put on the helmet of salvation, by grace are you saved through faith. How do you receive it? You put on the helmet by faith. Faith just simply means I believe it. Can I say something to you right now? Right where you sit right now, you can receive God's grace. Right where you are. Let me tell you what grace is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Do you believe that? If we confess with our mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You believe that? Confess him as Lord. Believe it. Receive it. It's a heart thing. For with the heart one believes unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Do you believe that? It's by faith. You don't have to say, i got to turn over a new leaf. i got to start doing things different. No, you just say, I'm going to stop doing things my way, and I'm going to turn in repentance and trust Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the righteousness has already been supplied. All you got to do is tap into it. We tap into the act. We have access to the grace of God through the faith that we have. What is the purpose of this helmet? This is also part of the deal because when you say no to yourself and say yes to God, you got to realize that life is no longer about you. Life is not about you. The purpose of this life is simply this. This is in Ephesians 1.10. Great verse. Great verse. It says that there, it makes the statement about the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in heavens and things on the earth. You know what that means? Everything's about him. Amen. This building is about him. Your car is about him. Your job is about him. Your family is about him. In a minute, we're going to illustrate that because we're going to dedicate some babies. God has given us, uh, praise God. Can we just celebrate today? God has given us. God has given us a couple of young people. And not too long ago, they became husband and wife. And they're still serving God today. And God has blessed them with twin girls. And you know what? It's all about him, amen? It's all about him. Come on, church. It's all about him. And when we dedicate children, when we dedicate children, what's happening is the parents are going to come in and say, you know what? These two girls are ours, but they're just kind of loaned to us because they belong to him first. See, when you have that idea, then you've got the right idea. You've got the purpose of life down. Priorities. What priorities does this helmet have? The priorities are unto good works. Unto good works. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Say it with me. By grace, through faith, unto good works. Three for three. By grace, have you received God's grace? Through faith, 
unto good works. The same way you got saved is the same way you live saved. Not too awful long ago, God gave me some instructions. Robin and I got a call and and God uh, put something in front of Robin and I and we had about an hour to make a decision. And so we prayed. And you know what we realized? We realized that God was calling us to a particular thing. And God didn't really just ask my opinion. He just said, this is what I need you to do. And you know how many people in, in, in the church would go, I don't know if I can do that. If you've got the I can't disease, you'll never do what God wants you to do. People too many times say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, there is nobody in this room that is completely qualified to really do anything. God qualifies you when he calls you. God equips you as he calls you. And you know what? You find out you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted sometimes. But you know what I know at the end of the day? At the end of the day, I know that I have obeyed what he told me to do. And there is extreme joy in that. There's a guy named William Carey who was an evangelist to India. And I'm going to make this really short. But William Carey spoke at a, at a Baptist assembly meeting with a, a lot of ministers and things. I don't know exactly what it looked like in the late 1700s. But he was talking about the fact that the people in India did not know Jesus Christ. And he looked at, his, at, at this assembly and he said, look, we need to send missionaries to the heathen. And somebody stood up and said... If God wanted to redeem the heathen, he wouldn't ask our opinion. He'd just do it. And I think that's where we are today. You see, we we know that there's 1.2 billion people in India. In fact, our church has missionaries there. You may not know that. And we'll bring him back. We'll, We'll bring him to speak to you again sometime probably this summer. And there are people that worship other gods and they're living in all of those other helmets and it's not working. But it's not just India. It's outside your door. Do you know how many people live in Metropolis that don't have a place to stay tonight? Now, I've heard some people say, well, that's what they choose. Oh, of course, I know that. But except for the grace of God, that's where I'd be too. And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? You know, uh, what are we going to do? Just say, well, I hope something good happens to them. I hope Pastor Brian gets something done. Pastor Brian can get something done. You know how? With all of us. Do you know how many people in Metropolis are addicted to drugs right now? You know what they call our town? Metropolis. Doesn't that offend you? Doesn't the idea of the drugs and the demonic activity offend you and don't you have a compassion for people can we just look at them and go just go away go to some other neighborhood go somewhere else we don't want you to mess up our nice little life if you think that way by grace through faith unto what where's the works where is it It's all over our town. Here's what I can tell you. We don't have to accept the enemy's darkness. All we got to do is turn on the light. How do we turn on the light? We get busy. Does the helmet of salvation work? Yeah. It changes people. 
It provides them justification. That means forgiveness of sins. That means my sins are all gone and people's out there, their sins could be gone too. And if you don't think God can change people, just come to Eastland a little while and you'll find out because they're everywhere. They are everywhere. People in this room right now who a year ago was not anything like they are today. And some people are going to be here next year that you haven't even met yet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best work that I know of. I'm, I've got justification through salvation. I've got regeneration. God has given me a brand new life. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I've got sanctification in the helmet of salvation. That means God has totally empowered me. He has given me his spirit. I am not in chains to those things anymore. Praise God. And the best news about it all, the helmet works because one day I will be completely transformed. Let me read you some scripture in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Morality can't give you that. Hedonism can't give you that. Passivity can't give you that. Religion can't give you that. The Bible says that our perishable must put on the imperishable. The mortal must put on immortality. The Bible says in that day, death will be swallowed up in victory. Ladies and gentlemen, the day is going to come for those who have the right helmet. It does offer protection. It brings uh, salvation from our sins. It brings us forgiveness. It brings us sanctification. And one day, we're going to raise up like Jesus Christ when he comes back to get us. And we're going to be just like him. So put your helmet on. Put your helmet on. If you're not saved today, today's a good day to, a good day to get saved. Amen? Amen? Anybody agree with me? But if you are saved by grace through faith unto. Let me put the last couple of scriptures. Let me put it up here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always what? Always laying on the couch. No. Always seeking pleasure. No. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, everything else is going to be vain. You seek to get better cars, it's going to get old someday. You seek a better house, it's going to fall down, isn't it? You seek pleasure, your body's going to wear out. You seek a great big inheritance, you're going to die and leave it for your kids to fight over. But you seek the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Last scripture, verse 10. By the grace of God that I am, I am that I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. Paul said, because of that grace, I labored even more. Amen. Because of the grace, I labored more. Isn't that something? A lot of people say, I'm, I've got grace, so I don't have to work. Paul said, because I got grace, I work more. By grace, through faith, unto. Make sense? Church, this is going to be a great year. Amen. We're going to reach people. People that sit in darkness is going to see great light. Why? Because you guys are going to put your helmets on and you're going to shine the light all through our town. Amen. Y'all receive the word today. Yeah.